As one of the first regions of America settled by white colonizers, the history of New England is vast, deep, and dark. Join Small Town Mysteries this spooky season as we bring you a special series. Welcome to Spooky New England. Today's topic, and I think I'm reading this correctly, is tunnels? And a little bit about witches, but Kate. Okay, okay. Do you know what else is vast, deep, and dark? I'm not going to say it, but I'm... A tunnel! (laughs) (laughs) You got me so good there, because I'm sitting here and I'm like, my parents listen to this. Kate, get your head out of the gutter. You said the intro and I was like, ooh. That's good. I can't believe I didn't put that together. I'm clearly, I've had a long day. out of the tunnel. Get my mind out of the tunnel. Um, actually, I'm putting my mind firmly in the tunnel because I would like to hear about this haunted tunnel and about the witches, too. I always think witch history is uh, interesting. So I'm Kate here with Christine. Hello. And Rachel. Hello. And as I said, new episode on witches and tunnels and tunnels and witches. But before we get into that, I'm going to toss it over to Rachel, who will be highlighting our missing person for this week. Thank you, Kate. So today I'm going to be covering Chloe A. Field Colvin, who also may use the name Max instead of Chloe. They were last seen in Glen Falls, New York on September 25th, 2023. They are about five feet. They weigh 115 pounds. They have brown hair, hazel eyes, and they're white. They're believed to be in the local area. I did see that it is believed that they ran away. If you have any information on their whereabouts, contact NYS Missing Persons Clearinghouse at 1-800-346-3543. Thank you, Rachel. We'll have information on that missing person on our Instagram account at Small Town Mysteries Pod the day this episode comes out. If you live in the area, check that out. If you think you may have any information, please contact that phone number. Thanks, Rach. All right, Christine. Let's let's enter the tunnel. Yeah, into I'm the so darkness excited. we go. Into the darkness we go. So, tunnels are featured in many a scary movie. And this week, they're being featured on Small Town Mysteries. So the tunnel that I am going to be focusing my attention on is the Hoosac Tunnel. This tunnel is actually still active. It's a railroad tunnel. And it passes through an extension of Vermont Screen Mountains. It's located in Florida, Massachusetts. Wait. <laughs> I didn't know there was a Florida, Massachusetts. Wait, there's there a Florida, is. Massachusetts? Yeah, there is a Florida, Where? Massachusetts. It is very much northwestern Massachusetts. It is like basically on the northwestern tip, almost okay. all the way west and, okay. like, and like entirely north. Florida is a very small town. The population as of 2020 was only 694. Oh, so that's why we haven't heard of it. (laughs) And it has a total area of 24.6 square miles. So it's also not small in terms of area. It's not a high population density. Well, it's also, I mean, I feel like that's true of a lot of Western Mass. It's just like there be dragons out in Western Mass. No one knows what goes on there, so... Huzak is an Algonquin word meaning place of stones. This is a large tunnel. It is about 4.75 miles long. And work 
on the Hoosac Tunnel started in 1851. The estimated cost was supposed to be $2 million, but it actually ended up costing $21 million. Yeah, that's uh, government budgeting for you. Yeah. Which in 1851 was quite a bit of money. Oh, I can't even obviously that's I can't unfathomable. Even it was hundreds of thousands. It wasn't yeah. quite yet, or hundreds of millions, I mean. It hundreds wasn't quite millions. yet at a billion. Wow. But it was, I looked it up, and I, I think it was somewhere around like 500 million. Wow. At the time of its completion, it was the second longest tunnel in the world after the 8.5-mile tunnel that goes through the French Alps, which kind of surprised me. Yeah, I feel like that doesn't feel like a very long tunnel Mm -hmm. to be record holding. Like, I I thought they went on for, like, a lot longer than that. It still is the longest active transportation tunnel east of the Rocky Mountains. And as of 1989, it's the sixth longest railroad tunnel in North America. Wow. So now for the reason that I'm talking about this tunnel there were actually there were a lot of deadly accidents throughout the years during the construction of the Hoosac tunnel in total 195 workers were killed or seriously injured with 135 verified deaths oh so there's definitely more than that yeah so there's a lot of death going on in this little tunnel and i know that i know we all have like different saying of opinions on this stuff But I definitely, we've talked about energy and how energy stays in places. Even if it's not haunted in the traditional sense, like that energy is there. Yeah, with the confirmed number being lower than the speculated number, that's very much haunted energy. Right. Survivors ended up calling the tunnel the Bloody Pit, and workers died from a variety of causes including explosions, falling rock, and accidents involving ladders or scaffolding. OSHA must have really hated those guys. When was OSHA even formed? I don't know, but I probably after this. I'm guessing. Because I, I feel like they, they wouldn't have gotten, gotten away with this number of deaths on an OSHA-approved worksite. 1971. A baby. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's kind of crazy. That is. It's not that crazy to me. I, Whenever I hear stories about, like, the mines and stuff, I'm like, yeah, well, OSHA didn't exist. Yeah, but I always think of the mines as being so long ago that, like, 1971 doesn't, I mean, I guess it's 50 years, basically, but Ugh. that still doesn't <laughs> feel, like, so long. I'm very much still at the point where you say, like, and I, I know I'm not old enough to think this way, but you say the 70s, I'm like, yeah, 30 years ago. Right. N- not even close. No. <laughs> In 1865, workers went on strike and burned buildings in protest. The next year, 14 men died or were injured from working on the tunnel. By far, the deadliest accident was an explosion that happened in the central shaft on October 17, 1867. Workers were digging when a candle in the hoist building, which is kind of like an elevator, ignited naphtha fumes that had leaked from a gasometer lamp and naphtha is a flammable liquid hydrocarbon mixture in a lot of older accounts it just kind of meant like a crude oil petroleum it was kind of used interchangeably 
there. So it was some form of oil that did it. And the explosion that occurred from this set the hoist on fire, leading to it collapsing into the shaft. So several men who were near the top of the shaft above the hoist managed to escape. But 13 men who had been working below were trapped by the fire and pieces of iron. The pumps were destroyed, and then the shaft began to fill with water. Oy. I know. It was a bad situation. The next day, a worker was lowered into the shaft by a rope to check to see if there was any hope of saving anyone. He was overcome by fumes, and he stated, there's no hope, like, there's no survivors. So, mm-hmm. therefore, no further rescue attempts were made. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah I hadn't considered I, I, logically they wouldn't have flashlights yeah so they would have candles or mm-hmm. lanterns which would have an open flame that that just is so terrifying to me conceptually because that can go wrong so quickly right. with even just the slightest you know you don't even have to make a mistake for something to go wrong with an open flame as someone who is claustrophobic and also doesn't like heights Yep, the thought of this is just one of my worst nightmares. Yeah, it's a no from me, dog. Mm -mm. But several months after all of this happened, workers had actually reached to the shaft's bottom, and they actually found several victims had survived long enough to create a raft before they had suffocated. Oh my god! That's somehow way worse. Yep. Mm-hmm. And assume like that everyone part. died immediately. Whoa. Oh. Well, because then also, can you imagine? This is so dark, but like, do you think they heard the rescue operation that was attempted? Possibly. Or did I feel they, like they think that someone to. was coming to get them and then realize that they weren't the, yeah. going to come get them? Like, oh. Which is kind of crazy because I feel like wouldn't sound echo. You'd think. But I. Who knows? The conditions of of the person who went down, the conditions were apparently really bad. Like, he yeah. couldn't see anything. There were fumes everywhere. He, mm-hmm. like, upon coming up was, like, not well. So. Is there a chance that they might have already been dead at that point? Like, I that they know. had previously been alive and built, alive, had previously been alive and built a raft, but had deceased before they went to look for them, maybe? Perhaps because it was yeah. a day later, so they might have tried to build a raft within the first few hours, and then eventually, right. after running out of oxygen, you know, so they could have already been gone. That's crazy. Yeah. So all of that dark history already surrounds this tunnel, but another specific story really stands out too. It was 1865, and explosive nitroglycerin was used for the first time in the construction of the Hoosac Tunnel. This was right around when they started using this. In March of 1865, Ned Brinkman, Billy Nash, and Ringo Kelly planted a charge of nitroglycerin and ran toward a safety bunker. However, Brinkman and Nash never made it. Kelly had prematurely set off the charge, burying his coworkers alive under tons of rocks. Yeah, that's oh, like, um, that reminds me of the, the Trinity test. 
I stumbled over that a little bit. The mm-hmm. Trinity test for the atomic bomb. Oh. Um, the first time they they had people at various distances from the bomb so they could assess like danger from different distances. And it was like no one was close enough to die, but like people lost vision mm-hmm. and like even Oppenheimer himself like said if he hadn't like hit the floor and put his hands over his head, he probably would have been killed by debris. And he was like not that close to it. Um, it's just when they work with explosives of that caliber, it's so hard to know exactly how big a blast is going to be, especially with something like nitroglycerin, which at this time would be very, very new. Mm-hmm. That's scary as fuck. Soon after that accident, Kelly disappeared and he could not be found. I'm assuming he's dead by now. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but he was actually found a year later, his body. Oh, okay. His body was found two miles inside the tunnel, and it was in the exact spot that Brinkman and Nash died. He had been strangled to death. So suspicious circumstances. Yeah. An investigation was carried out, but there was no suspects. There was not really any clue as to who could do this. And so, therefore, the murder was just never solved. Um, All these fumes that we've been talking about. Could that make somebody go crazy? I don't know. I mean, it could cloud you know what I mean? their judgment, you know? But I don't I know, know if it could, like, it could make their reaction time slower. It could, I don't know, lead them to do things maybe they wouldn't, like, normally do. Or Are there, like, certain fumes that make you homicidal? I don't know about that. I, I was going to say, if you're thinking, like, carbon monoxide that m- makes you out of it. Maybe I maybe. shouldn't Google that. Yeah, maybe don't. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Fumes that make you homicidal. <laughs> Some of the workers, however, believed that Kelly was killed by the spirits of Brinkman and Nash. Many workers did not want to enter the tunnel, fearing that it was cursed. Uh, a man by the name of Paul Travers toured the tunnel with someone with the last name Dunn, could not find his first name. And Paul had been a cavalry officer in the Union Army. In a letter to his sister, dated September 8th, 1868, he wrote, quote, The men constantly complain of hearing a man's voice cry out in agony and refuse to enter the great shaft after nightfall. Mr. Dunn has reassured them time and time again that the strange sound is nothing more than the wild winds sweeping down off the mountainside. Our work has slowed to the point where Mr. Dunn asked me to help him conduct an investigation into the matter. Last night, Mr. Dunn and I entered the Great Tunnel at exactly 9 p.m. We traveled about two miles into the shaft and then stopped to listen. As we stood there in the cold silence, We both heard what truly sounded like a man groaning out in pain. As you know, I have heard this same sound many times during the war. Yet when we turned up the wicks on our lamps, there were no other human beings in the shaft except Mr. Dunn and myself. I'll admit I haven't been this frightened since Shiloh. Mr. Dunn agreed that it wasn't the wind we heard. Perhaps Nash or Brinkman, I wonder. That's the kind of like firsthand testimony that I love to hear especially like the way you know you get secondhand from him about all the other employees who are like Mm -hmm. complaining about it 
I just feel like those aren't coincidences when you have so many people who've experienced the exact same thing and describe it in the exact same way. Right. Christine's like, no. Well, I mean, (laughs) no. Like, to play devil's advocate, he was going down there to tell everyone, nah, you're not hearing anything. Like, this is just the wind. Right. Like, he went to disprove it and came back up and was like, uh, (laughs) actually. Yeah. And then in another letter, he was like, you know I'm a realist, but I wouldn't lie to you about this. For anyone who watches um, Ghost Files on Watcher, I don't, I don't think either of you guys do, it would be um, like Shane seeing a ghost and believing it oh, is what this, this like sounds the like to me. Feed. I know they're not there anymore. But... Oh, yeah. No, it's the same same two guys. They just have a new channel. So there had also apparently been ghostly apparitions that workers would see frequently. And they apparently stopped as soon as the bodies of the men who had died at the bottom of the shaft were found and given a proper burial. But the voices from deep within the tunnel did not cease. And to this day, there are still reports of chilling winds, shrieking noises, and even some apparitions. Apparently, it's not a very fun place to go. Yeah, not a tunnel I would like to venture into, I do suppose. Can't say there are many tunnels that I would like agree want to visit though like but I'm just saying this one's even lower on my list than it already was. All right, so that is the Huzak Tunnel. Now we'll talk a little bit about witches. I'm going to talk about one supposed witch in particular and I feel like this is a definitely a dense history episode. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> we live for it. I literally I Here saw the it. title mm-hmm. of your doc and it was like history and I was like, is there anything more small town mysteries pod? Like I <laughs> Oh, I love a good historical moment. Yeah, you gotta. So we already rewound it back to the eighteen hundreds and we're going back in time a little bit more to the sixteen hundreds. Gonna be following the story of a woman named Eunice Cole. Eunice lived on the coast of New Hampshire, and she was better known as Goody Cole. She is the only woman convicted of witchcraft in New Hampshire. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I know. I thought you were going to say Massachusetts, and I was going to be like, uh, uh-huh. no. Salem. <laughs> yeah. So there are slight varying accounts as to if she was convicted convicted or not some people say yes some people say no i think the majority think that she was at least one of the times because there were several times but i was kind of surprised because i kind of assumed that there were other convictions outside of massachusetts like i Mm -hmm. didn't realize it was so (laughs) just salem i just figured there would be several more in the surrounding states Especially as close as New Hampshire. No, I mean, just a handful. I mean, there were... Salem's what's famous, but there were certainly accusations of witchcraft in other locations, just nowhere near as widespread as what happened in Salem. That was a, a huge cultural moment. So Eunice was originally from England, and she was married to a man named William Cole. There were not any records of them having children, but it is very possible that they had children in England because they moved to the U.S. later in life. There was a report that said that 
Eunice didn't get there until she was in her mid-40s. So both had been indentured servants to a wealthy London merchant. They had moved initially to Boston, and then they went to Exeter, New Hampshire. They were followers of John Wheelwright, who actually founded the town of Exeter after he was chased out of Massachusetts Mm -hmm. due to his belief in antinomianism. Yeah, that seems to be the prevailing thread between most of the states around Massachusetts is like, this guy got kicked out and this is the civilization he started. And it's like, okay. Like Rhode Island. It's so crazy (laughs) how that could happen back then. Like, you could be kicked out of a state and then just create your own town. Well, also, the way that, like, population on Earth is so densely packed in right now that like right if you got exiled from a specific area it's like you can't just go build a whole new civilization you're lucky if you can find a one bed one bath apartment for like manageable rent (laughs) you're not gonna go be like you know what i'm gonna start a town like that's just not even remotely plausible nowadays which is why it's so crazy (laughs) like that's not what i expected to get stuck on in this episode but like it's it was honestly a big thought of mine i was like yeah just imagine yeah, oh, that's nuts. The idea of even having enough land to do that is crazy. We've talked about it before. Like, land wasn't always given out to people. Like, we've talked right. about how it was literally divvied off to people. Mm-hmm. Population is so dense now. You're like, you see like three acres for sale, and you're like, wow, that's huge. Wow, three acres. Mm-hmm. Like, that's massive. Well, at least where yeah. we are, that feels like a. Exactly. Yeah, where we are, that's massive. People in Idaho are like, ugh. <laughs> They're so uncultured. I know, right? (laughs) People in like Wyoming are like, I'm on 20 acres right now. So antinomianism is essentially the belief that Christians are freed by grace from the need to obey Mosaic law. As you can guess, that was very much not popular. Yeah. They ended up following Wheelwright to Exeter, but very soon after, they settled in Hampton, New Hampshire. And people might have heard of Hampton. It's a pretty famous beach town in New Hampshire and home to Hampton Beach. Yeah. Eunice was accused of witchcraft and tried for it not once, not twice, but three times in her life. Dang, that's a lot. Third time is a charm, though. Yeah. <laughs> I guess maybe not, maybe not in this situation. <laughs> Third time's not the charm because she doesn't want people to think she's a witch. Third time's the charm. That That's feeding the witchcraft allegations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, poor choice of words. As you can imagine, Eunice was not a generally well-liked person. I feel like you can't be if you're accused of witchcraft three times. Yeah, because then um, everyone else who's like buddy-buddy with you is also going to be accused of being a witch and you're just going to bring them all down with you. Yeah, she she definitely was not well-liked. The first time that she was accused was in Boston in 1656, when several townspeople testified against her. She faced charges, which included bringing sickness on people she feuded with, killing their animals through mysterious ways, and knowing secrets about people she could only know through the aid of the devil. And definitely not because she overheard someone talking about it. At, like, no. the town watering hole or whatever. Like, definitely it was the devil. She was found guilty of familiarity with the devil, which a lot of people say is a lesser crime than witchcraft. 
because the court did not order her execution. Instead, she was ordered to be whipped and imprisoned for as long as the court deemed appropriate. That's, I think, well, now in, in law, the penal phase is separate from, like, the trial phase. Mm-hmm. So I guess that language kind of makes sense that it's like, we'll figure that out later. I guess. But the fact that this is now centuries later and it's just as sees fit, like, I, what I was didn't it? find any timeline and I think that's probably because of the events that happened after. I don't know if they mm-hmm. got there quite yet. Gotcha. So what happened is that her husband needed help with labor on the farm. He didn't seem to miss her, mind you. He just needed help. Like, he was down a person. Oh, I don't care that I'm supposed to love you. I just need your hands right now. He did not care. He turned to the townspeople for their help. And also, he could not use the property that he had as a form of payment because it was deeded to Eunice. And apparently, Eunice threatened to leave him if he did not deed her the property. Bold if true. She was bold. Is it wrong for me to say that I like her or are you going to tell me something really terrible that she did? <laughs> Not that I could find. I couldn't okay, find cool. anything truly terrible. And I like her. No true crimes. William petitioned the court to return the land to him. He didn't care about the return of Eunice. But Eunice got herself out of jail by arguing that her aging husband required her help. So then she was out of jail. But... William died before she could be officially freed. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So in William's will, he stated that he wanted his property to go to a neighbor. But since the deed was in Eunice's name. It didn't matter. The court actually at the time ruled that it was going to be like a half-half situation. Oh, see, that's frustrating because it really, if it was in her name. Mm Mm-hmm. It really just should have been straight up, like, it doesn't matter what you deeded in your will. You can't will property to others that you don't own. That's how it works. But, oh, it was the olden days, and she's a woman, so God forbid she have possessions. Yeah, that's that's definitely what it was. In terms of the prior jail sentence that she had received, the terms of her release stated that she had to leave the colony within a month of her release. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to release you. It's fine, but you you got to be out of here within a month. Yeah, like get the heck out of here. That's right. your punishment. Cause no more trouble. Bye. But Eunice did not leave. She was like, no, I'm staying here. Good. <laughs> and so she was soon back in prison and facing charges of slanderous speech. She was in and out of prison over the next 10 years. And in 1673... She was again formally charged with witchcraft. Her accusations this time included attempting to lure a young girl into living with her, taking various animal shapes. That's, don't know what that means. So assuming that might be a typo, but. So she's cool like she was turning into animals she's a shapeshifter come on that sounds cool cool as hell i like her this is not making me not like her so all i can think of is sky high when she like is like oh my god i'm a shapeshifter and then she just turns into a guinea pig i just feel like people would see a cat and be like that's a weird cat that's definitely eunice 
Yeah, it's like how do you know do you like, unless you that? witness the shape shifting? How right. can you be like, you see that that there toad? <laughs> yeah. It looks like Eunice because when I look in Eunice's eyes, it's like looking in that toad's eyes and Eunice is standing right there like, okay, bitch. <laughs> yeah. My eyes do not look like a toad's eyes, but thank you. Like yeah, how do you quantify that? That's interesting. I don't know. Well, the last accusation was that Eunice had caused a neighbor's oven to produce foul-tasting bread. And I, I think that one might be on the neighbor. Yeah, that's... Uh, um, okay. Maybe you uh, mixed up your ingredients there. But... Accidentally put, like, cinnamon instead of uh, yeast or something and just didn't rise right or... Yeah, I just think it's funny the accusations back then were like, you made my bread taste weird. I mean, honestly, if I accuse someone of my bread tasting weird, I would hope that they would get a prison sentence. <laughs> Okay. Just kidding. That's a joke, obviously. If, if, if no one could read my tone there, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. Go on. To be fair, the court was still unsure about witchcraft, but again concluded there was some reasonable suspicion that she had familiarity with the devil. So somehow, once Eunice was out of jail again, and because she was aging at this point and pretty old, the town of Hampton was responsible for her care. I'm not sure if this was a thing back in the day, but apparently the town was responsible. And so families in the town of Hampton had to take turns providing Eunice with fuel and food. One final attempt to have Eunice convicted came in 1680. The townspeople gathered up all of the previous charges and then they added several more. Once again, Eunice went to court, but this time the court was unpersuaded and she was allowed to return home. Good for her. She died in her own home because one day in October of 1680, when she was 90 years old, which was very old for the 1600s. Unheard of. That's an old age to die at. So at that age, several townspeople... Remarked like, ah, no one's seen Eunice for a while. Like, it's been a few days. And so when they went to her house, they found her dead. Legend has it that townspeople hastily dug a grave and tossed her body in it. Like, they couldn't wait to be done with her. And they then attached a horseshoe for luck to the stake and drove it through her grave. So. Okay. That's pretty classic. Regular just to make sure behavior in 1938 the town of hampton finally corrected the error of its ways when it adopted a formal resolution acknowledging that eunice cole was not a witch and if anyone is interested in reading up further the hampton public library keeps a very large collection of materials related to eunice cole at its website very cool i'll have to check that out yeah those are my things Thanks, Christine. That, that is our spooky series. Yeah. We did it. So um, next year, what, <laughs> we have a while until we have to start figuring that out. But we're going to have to keep this up because we've done two fun series for spooky season so far. Mm-hmm. The life of the pod will continue. So uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. No, we're going to do this again. I also think I'm going to sprinkle in some like hauntings and stuff just throughout just to keep it a little fresh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Why not? Why not? Might as well. 
All right, cool. So we'll have the picture of the missing person that Rachel highlighted up on our Instagram page at Small Town Mysteries Pod. Follow us there if you live in a small town and there's weird stuff that happened there or funny stuff that happened there, politically odd stuff that happened there, creepy stuff that happened there, murders that happened there. Let us know um, so we can look into it. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Come spiral with us next week. Bye. Bye.